There is a lot, a lot of things that go on around here, and that bulletin seems to constantly stay filled anymore. So, I would encourage you if you want to, if anybody ever tells me, well, I, there's just not anything to do up there. I don't have any opportunity to make friends. I'm just going to smile because you obviously aren't trying. <laughs> When with men's fellowship and women's fellowships and youth fellowships and children's programs and VBS and and everything else in the whole world that's going on in this church, I, uh, you can you can uh, avail yourself of some of these things. But just keep up with them in the bulletin, and uh, the Lord bless you. We're going to go to First John this morning, chapter five. First John chapter five. It's in the back of your Bible. Turn with me if you would and stand for the reading of God's word as we go to 1 John chapter 5. If you're not sure where it is, just go to the very back. That's Revelation. And then just come back past Jude, 3 John, 2 John, and 1 John. So if you get to 2 Peter, you've gone too far. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. These things have I written unto you that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that ye have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desired of him. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Almighty God, for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And now I pray, God, for the next few minutes, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us. Father God, may I speak your words, God, under your authority. And may everything that's done be done unto the glory of God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, in World War II, there was a particular island called Tarawa. It's in the Pacific. It uh, was defended by the Japanese in World War II. And the Japanese commander there had claimed that his defenses were so well prepared and so fortified that a thousand men could not overrun the island in a thousand years. The Marines landed on that island and they began to fight. And a day and a half into the fight, there was a report given by the commander that was over the, the, the effort, and he said, combat efficiency unsure, casualties not defined, ammunition state not confident, but it feels like we're winning. They overran the island in three days. In three days, the Marines took control of the island. His evaluation was not based upon anything he saw, felt, or heard. His evaluation was placed in the fact that he had confidence in the men that were fighting the battle. He had confidence in the country in which he was working. He had confidence that they were going to do exactly what they said they were going to do because they were Marines and they did what they were ordered to do. They were ordered to take the island and he was confident without any other thing verifying it. He was confident that they were on their way to victory and they overran an island in three days that was supposed to take a million years. And I want to ask you this morning, what kind of confidence do you have in God? 
if we, he, he said that if he hears us, then we are confident that we will have the petitions that we have required of him. So I ask you this morning, how confident are you in God? Do you have to have a sign in order to believe that God's heard your prayer? Do you have to have some kind of something going on on the inside of you in order for you to believe that God's doing what he said he was going to do? Do you have to have some kind of something that happens that makes you believe that God has heard your prayer? Or are you confident simply because I know whose I am and I know whom I serve? Because I'm telling you this morning that God doesn't ask you for anything but simply to have confidence in him, to have faith in him, that if he gives you an answer, if he gives you a direction, if he gives you a plan, then he will accomplish that plan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hang on just a second. He said, these things I have written unto you that you may believe on the name of the Son of God and that you may know that we have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I have confidence. I have confidence that this book is right. I have confidence that this book is true. I have confidence that I am on my way to a place called heaven. And I have confidence that God is going to direct me every step of the way. And I have confidence that if he gives me something to do, whether anybody else comes with me or not, I have confidence that he will be with me every step of the way. I have confidence in God. They call it faith, but, my, but faith, is, faith is, is, is good, but hope is better. Faith says, I know God can. Hope says, I know God will. And hope works in confidence. I have confidence in what God has said, and I have confidence in what God is doing. And I want to tell you this morning that just like God gave us the good things God says he'll do, God, God also, I'm also confident that God has the negative side of what he said. I'm just as confident that there's a heaven as I am that there's a hell. I'm just as confident that if I walk with God, then all things work together for good as I am that if I walk contrary to God, all things work together for bad. I'm confident in what God has said, and I'm confident that, if, that God will do exceeding abundantly above what I can ask or think according to the power that works within me. And I ask you this morning, are you confident in what you believe in? Are you confident in what God has said? Are you confident in what, in what your doctrines are? Are you confident in what God has spoken to your life? Because that confidence is the difference between somebody that gets it done and somebody that doesn't get it done. I'm telling you that you're going to have to stand for the Lord in the upcoming years. You, you, you've, you've lived in a country that's given you privilege because you're a Christian. You've lived in a country that's given allowances. All of the money... The monies that you give to this church is all tax deductible because you live in a country where that's accepted. But I'm going to tell you that in the upcoming years, it may, not know, it may no longer be tax deductible. There's going to come a time in this nation where you're going to have to stand for God because he's what you stand for. And I want to ask you, in those times, are you going to have the same confidence to be able to step the same way you're stepping now whenever the culture is against you? Because Jesus Christ calls, he, he says, he said, in this world you will have tribulation. It's not an if, and, or but. In this world you will have tribulation. 
There's going to be times of trouble. There's going to be times of trial. And in this nation of the United States of America, you're already starting to see where not only are you not given privilege by no people knowing you're a Christian, but you're actually somewhat ostracized. Am I, am I, is anybody, is this so foreign you're not getting it? You're actually ostracized. You're made fun of. You're not included because you don't stand for something that's culturally acceptable. But I've got confidence in God that no matter what comes against me, God will bring me through. And he's not going to bring me through hanging on to a rope with a knot in the end of it, barely making it. But I have confidence that he's going to bring me through victorious, washed in the blood of the Lamb, more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I have confidence that God is not simply a God of the barely make it, but he is, a, he is El Shaddai. He's God of enough. He's God of power. He's not going to give me just enough courage to get through it, but I'm going to be bold as a lion. Why? Because my Redeemer lives. That's why. Confident in God. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'll go with you to the end of the world. 2011, I was about to leave a very lucrative job to come to work up here with a plan that God had given me, which was a percentage. And I didn't really know the financial situation that Kathy and I were going to be in. And it never bothered me until one day I was sitting at the red light in front of the old Walmart in Lumberton across the street from the old high school. And all of a sudden I started worrying about it. I started saying, well, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even really know how much I'm going to be making. And, I, and all of a sudden, my mind starts saying, well, yeah, what about this? And what about this? And yeah, you plan it. And I, I kind of start feeling a little anxiety. But just as I started feeling the anxiety, the Spirit of the Lord flooded the cab of that truck that I owed $4,800 on. The Spirit of the Lord flooded the cab of that truck. And he said, let not your voice, let not your mouth be filled with covetousness. In other words, don't always be complaining about what you don't have. And be content with such things as you have. For I have said, I, lo, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That's all I needed. I didn't have to have a sign from heaven. I didn't have, a, have to flash in light. I didn't, I didn't have to have anything else. Because in Lumberton, they don't believe in flashing lights. They keep them all red. So you can take as long as possible to get through there. <laughs> I didn't have to have any of that. Why? Because I was confident in what God had said. And I can tell you that from 2011 to 2023, we haven't missed a meal. We hadn't missed a payment. We hadn't missed anything. And at times, whenever it looked like that my, my world was dark, at those times, God came through. God always has supplied my need. And now not only has he supplied my needs, but he supplied my wants, my every desire. Everything is supplied with me. I'm fed. I'm clothed. I'm in my right mind, I think. Am I? Am I in my right mind? Then I'm confident that God will do what he said he'll do. I'm confident. And I'll tell you how I know I'm confident. I don't pray, oh, God, will you? I don't pray, oh, God, could you? I don't pray and say, God, I'm begging you, please. 
But a man of confidence prays this way. He says, God, I thank you that you have. I haven't seen it with my eyes. I haven't put my hands on it. I don't, I don't have it. Abraham thanked God for a son for 25 years before he ever saw him. And in the course of that 25 years, Sarah's womb went dead. She was, she was, 90, years, she was 90 years old. Abraham was 99. They, their, their time of having children was long gone. They couldn't, they couldn't produce a child. But whenever the angel came to Abraham and said, this time next year you'll embrace a son, the Bible says that Abraham laughed. And if you look that word up, you'll find out he laughed for joy, knowing that his miracle was about to come to pass because he had confidence in God. Though everything was against him, though nothing was working for him, though everything said it wasn't going to happen, he had confidence in God, and he stood upon what God said, and he received the promise, being dead, being dead, he still received the promise. He took Isaac to the top of the mountain. Here's the wood. Here's the knife. Where's the sacrifice? What did Abraham say before him and Isaac went up the mountain? Me and the lad go to worship yonder, and we shall return. Aren't you going to sacrifice that boy, Abraham? Yes, I am. But the Bible tells me in Hebrews that he says God, Abraham had confidence in God that God would raise that boy from the ashes. From the ashes. God would put him back together. And they would walk down that mountain together. That's confidence in God. Confidence in what God has told you to do. Confidence in what God has said. Confidence that God doesn't lie. Confidence that God can do exactly what he said he could do. And confidence, even though everything else is falling apart and coming apart around you, confident in what God has said that he will certainly perform it. And I thank him for performing it before I see the answer. Because I'm confident. I know in whom I have believed. 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 <laughs> I know in whom I have believed. Paul was on a boat. It had been tossed around in a, in a hurricane for 14 days. They had run ropes underneath the boat. They'd, they'd tied off the rudder. They'd hooked down the sail. They'd lightened the ship. They cast out the anchors. They did everything they knew to do. And the Bible says that these seasoned sailors were convinced that all was lost. All was lost. They had been in this storm for 14 days. It was so rough they couldn't even eat. They threw all the food out. Everything was gone. They just, they were waiting for the ship to break apart and be done. When suddenly, a little old preacher, they, the history tells me Paul was a, a short man. This little old preacher showed up and he said, take something to eat because the God that I know and the God that I serve said you're all going to make it. The weather said you're not going to make it. The experience said you're not going to make it. The ship itself said you're not going to make it. Everything about it said you're not going to make it. But Paul said what? You're going to make it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he took some meat and he ate in front of them. He said, eat for your health. There's not a, not a hair going to fall from your head. 
And the Bible goes on to tell us that the ship crashed and it broke up. And the ones that could swim, swam. And the ones that couldn't swim, they got on pieces of board and they got there. And when they got on the shore and made the count, guess how many people were on the count? Every one of them. 276 souls made it from that boat to that, to that shoreline. Why? Because God had given Paul a promise and Paul had confidence in what God had said. God had told Paul, you're going to Rome. Remember this? Acts chapter 19. Paul, God told Paul, you're going to Rome. Paul had been three years in a, in a Jewish prison. Now he was on his way to Rome. He got shipwrecked on an island called Melita. And when he got off that, he got off on that shore, he went and he built, a, he built a fire. And do you remember what happened in the fire when he started putting wood on the fire? A snake came out and bit him. And the Bible says that the people were familiar with the snake and they knew that no man could live from the bite of that snake. And so they figured that since the sea hadn't got him, that, that God had figured out their gods had figured out another way to kill this murderous preacher. But the Bible says Paul did what? He shook it off. He didn't seek first aid. He didn't take out his case knife and cut a little place there and start sucking the poison out. He just kept on going. Why did he keep on going? Because God said what? You're going to Rome. Was he in Rome? No. Then he didn't care that a snake bit him. He's going to Rome. He didn't care if the ship looked like it wasn't going to make it. He's going to Rome. It didn't matter what was going on around him. He was going to Rome. Why was he going to Rome? Because God told him, you're going to go to Rome. And whenever God speaks something to your heart, there's no weapon. There's no power. There's no principality. There's nothing above. There's nothing beneath. There's no culture. There's no presidency. There's no anything else that can stop the word of God to a man who continually confesses and has confidence in what God has said. Praying for your kids, praying for your finances. First time you have a setback, you're ready to backslide and go back in the world. Lord, I've been praying for this for 30 minutes and it hadn't happened. Lord, I've been seeking you for a whole month and, and you promised me my kids, but they hadn't shown up yet. God, you, I, I've been praying about this new job, Lord, and I'm still stuck in this thing and I've been here a whole three days. My Lord. If God gave you a promise, then march on the promise. March on it. And if it takes a day, if it takes a month, if it takes a year, if it takes five years, if everything, it looks like it's not going to happen, if it's all falling apart and it gets to the point that it's dead, then praise God that he can resurrect it. Confidence in what God said he can do. Confidence in what God has spoken. Confident. When I was about 19 years old, you know, every preacher that came along when I was a teenager and after that, every preacher that came along that was a, that was in the, a prophetic type guy, he picked me out of he picked me out of the church every time, every time. And I mean, I they, when I got older, I got to where when they started doing that, I'd look down at the floor and hang my head so they wouldn't see me, and they'd still point me out. And they'd call me up there, and they would they would tell me I needed to be here and I need to be there, and God had called me to preach and. And I knew they were right. I knew they were right. God had already laid it on my heart that I was supposed to be, that I was going to be a preacher. I knew that. 
But God hadn't opened the door, and I was going to Lamar University to be an electrical engineer because that's where I felt like God wanted me. And people would call me out, and one guy called me out, and he brought me down there, and he prophesied over me just like the last five had to. And he said, you need to be at Southwestern. You need to be where God can use you in the ministry. And, oh, man, that tore me up. I said, oh, man, what? I, Southwestern is the Assemblies of God College where you went to train to be a preacher. And I said, uh, Kathy and I were about to get married, and I said, I, I don't know. And I went and talked to my grandpa, and my grandpa said, well, do you feel that way? I said, well, he said. He said, I, I didn't say he said. He said, do you feel that way? I said, no. He said, don't let any man call you in the ministry, son. He said, don't let any man call you. He said, that'll be the biggest disaster of your life if you start following what some man told you to do. He said, if you know what God's spoken you to do, then you do what he's given you to do. And if everybody else says you're wrong, you just keep walking the way you're walking. Because if you don't, you're looking at the biggest disaster you've ever been a part of in your life. So I went to college. I got a degree. I went to work. And I worked and I worked and I worked. Always having this call on my life, knowing that God called me into ministry. And I'd, I'd try to go into the ministry, and it would crash and burn. I called a guy. One time a guy told me, he said, hey, this, there's a guy over there in the church, and I forget where it is, Botol or somewhere, I forget where it is. And he said, he, he, lets, he lets people that want to be in the ministry, he lets them preach on Sunday night. I said, praise God, that's my chance, you know. Man, I dialed it. I never felt like a biggest idiot. I, he said, what are you calling me about? And who are you? And what are you doing? And I, what are you talking? Who told you that? And after about 20 seconds on the phone, I was, I was ready to hang up. I was trying to find me a spot to get out. Because man called me. Because a man told me that. God didn't tell me that. A man told me that. Just kept going, kept going. 22 years after the fact, suddenly God opened a door. Suddenly it all came together. Suddenly I got my credentials in a miraculous way, and I'm not going to tell you about all that, but that suddenly happened, and suddenly a door opened. And, and from 1998 to 2023, I've been in some kind of pulpit. Almost every Sunday, filling in for churches, taking care of churches, until God finally opened up a pastorate, and now here. But what I want to tell you is when I tried to do it myself, I, it, was, it was always awkward. It never felt right. It was always strange. But whenever I expressed confidence in God and I simply walked the path he gave me to walk, then it all came together okay. Then it all worked out. Then it came together in the right way, at the right place, at the right time, at the right season. And all he asked me to do is have confidence in what he spoke to my heart at 18 years old. And all I'm asking you today is, do you have confidence in God? Has God given you a promise or has God given you a direction or has God asked you to do something? But you're just confident that it won't work? Has God laid something on your heart to do? But you're just confident that you don't know how to do it? That you're, you're confident that it won't be successful? You're confident that, it, that it's just not going to work out that way? And so you're trying to figure out a way to make it work? Because you're sure that the way God said it's not right? <laughs> First time we had tent revival out here, I, I, I wanted to order a bunch of pizza because I was sure nobody would show up. The evangelist didn't want to be out there. I figured nobody else wanted to be out there too. So I was going to order pizza because everybody will show up for pizza. But when I stopped trying to figure it out and just let God handle it, then it all came together like it's supposed to. 
I'm telling you this morning that if God speaks it, then we should have confidence that he knows what he's doing. We should have confidence. We have this confidence in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desired of him. I really felt like I really knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had called me to put together a team and to go to Vietnam. I knew that. I didn't particularly want to be on a plane for 12 hours to make another stop to get on a plane for another four hours. I didn't particularly know why I wanted to go to Vietnam. I didn't particularly have any desire to be over there. I just knew that's what God had spoken in my heart. And I can tell you that there was a lot of times, there was at least three times that I could think of that I stood there and here and other places and said, God, are you, am I heard you? Is this right? Vietnam? Really? But I was confident. I, I knew that's what he said. And so we started putting together a team and getting ready to go to Vietnam and Ended up with about 10 people on the team, and we were all prepared. We were all ready, and we had talked to the missionaries. We, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was getting close to time to start, you know, putting together some, some concrete things like flights and that kind of stuff. And, and the missions, the, the field coordinator for that set of missionaries told them that they hadn't been there long enough, and they didn't need a team, and we couldn't come. Well, the first thing I wanted to tell them is that's where God sent me, and you're not going to tell me I can't come. I'll show you. That's the first thing I said. But I backed off that pretty quick because I found out that's not profitable. So I, I cried. I did. I, I wept. I was disappointed. I, I was, uh, we were on our anniversary, and I was a little bit, little bit perturbed about it. But I said, well, if one door closes, another door opens. So I came in here on Monday and started seeking the Lord and asking the Lord, well, Lord, if we're not going to Vietnam, where are we going? And all of a sudden, after a little while of praying, the Lord laid on my heart, Ireland. So I contacted the missionaries in Ireland. They were shocked. They'd been over there six years, and no teams had showed up to help them. They had a children's church kind of a children's program planned for the first week of July. Got with the team. Felt good. Felt right. And these missionaries are excited about us being there. They're wanting us to come. I'm excited about what God's going to do because God has spoken and said that there's voices, there's people over there that, that we're going to specifically speak to because they're waiting for somebody to come and tell them about Christ. And I just want to tell you today that when he called me, the last time he called me, we were talking, and he said, well, when y'all going to show up? I said, we're going to show up Saturday. We're going to spend Saturday kind of getting acclimated, go to church with y'all Sunday, and then start with the, with the program on Monday through Thursday. He said, well, if you're going to be here Sunday, would you mind preaching? I said, I, I might be able to work it in. I'll give it my best. Confidence. Confidence. And God's already given me my sermon for what I'm going to preach that Sunday, which is almost scary. But it's the confidence I have in God that he knows what he's doing. 
I can't explain to you why we, why we went completely around the world. I don't know. But Paul started off to preach in Asia and was stopped in Asia. Then he went and turned south to go to Bithynia. He was stopped in Bithynia. So then he got to Mysa and was praying about that. And the Lord said, don't stay here. So then he got to Troas, a seacoast town. God already told him no all the way behind him. And now he's looking across an ocean, wondering where do we go next? And as he was seeking the Lord, he saw a man from Macedonia who said, come and give us the good news. And Paul woke up the next morning knowing for certainty that God had called them to Macedonia. They went to Macedonia and they preached at Philippi. They preached at Berea. They preached at Thessaloniki. They preached in Athens. They preached in Corinth. And God brought revival to that isthmus there of Macedonia and, and Athens and Greece because Paul kept walking knowing that God was leading him. And I'm going to keep walking knowing that God is leading me because I'm going to have the confidence that if he said it, it will certainly come to pass. Stand with me this morning if you would. Veronica, could I get you to come and play this morning if you would? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you, Lord God, for your power and your anointing, Father. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit has touched the heart of this congregation. And now, God, I pray, Father God, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, Lord God, in this altar service, Father. I pray, Almighty God, that you administer and you would touch, God. And, Lord, I have confidence in you, O oh God, that if I ask anything according to your will, that you hear me. And if you hear me, Lord, then I know that I will have the petition that I require of you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you've lost some confidence this morning in what God's spoken to you, if you've lost some of that confidence this morning because it's been a long time or because people have spoken against you or because it just seems like it's not happening or if you've lost that love and feeling. You ever lost that love and feeling? You never close your eyes anymore and you've lost that love and feeling. Then I want to tell you this morning that God is in this house today to restore your confidence. I used to work with a guy, actually he worked for Valero a long time ago. He had been a minor league pitcher. He was from Port Arthur. He had pitched, uh, he'd made it up to AAA. He was, in the, he was in the top thing right before he was going to the pros. And he was in the dugout one night, and there was a line drive that came in the dugout. He was talking, and that line drive hit him on the side of his face, and it broke his cheekbone and broke his jaw. And he was out for several months while that cheekbone and jawbone went back together, and he got it healed. He was, he was, he was out several months, and when he started spring training again, he told me his fastball was two inches off the plate. He couldn't control the pitch with the precision he could before. Something about the way he got hit affected his eyesight, not able to control the pitch. And after several months of trying to get back to that form, he left baseball. And he told me the reason he left baseball was because he had lost his confidence in his ability to pitch. And sometimes an event can 
cause you to lose confidence in what God has called you to. And this morning, I want you to know that if God calls you, even though you may not have confidence in yourself, God can restore that confidence this morning. So if you need prayer this morning, tonight while she plays, I want you to leave your seat and come down this way. And we're going to pray together this morning that God will restore your confidence. Is there anybody this morning? knowing that God's hearing your prayers. The Bible says that you'll have it. Anybody else this morning? Could I get several of you to come down this morning and pray with these? Find you somebody. Lay your hand on them. Pray with them this morning. Make sure everybody's got somebody.
Hallelujah. Before we leave today, I want you to do something with me. I want you to, just for a moment before we leave, I want you to join with me, and I want us to give God praise for this pavilion in the back. Uh, the building's supposed to show up by, I think, by the first week of May, something like that. So by the end of May, we should have the shell put up. And I just want to rejoice with the Lord every step of the way. We rejoiced whenever the slab was completed. We've, we've, we've made that progress, and now we're fixing to make the next step. And would you take just a minute with me, and let's rejoice over what God's doing back there behind this building. Would you do that with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Almighty God. Thank you for this pavilion, Lord God. Thank you that you laid it upon this church's heart to do this. Thank you, Almighty God, that we are walking in your confidence, O God, knowing that this is your plan, O God, and we are accomplishing your plan, Father. And God, I thank you, Almighty God, that you, O God, are providing everything we need, Lord, the workers, the material, the finances, the, the patience, the management, everything we need, O God, is being supplied by you. And Father God, we thank you for perfect timing, O God. We thank you, Lord God, for your direction. And we just give you praise, Almighty God. Lord God, that you're making this thing, oh God, so that we can have more classes, Lord God, that we can accommodate more people, Lord God, as we prepare for the harvest that you have promised, God. For I am confident, Lord God, that if you have spoken it, it shall certainly come to pass, and we receive it, Lord God, as this body. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Not one jot and not one tittle of this word, God, will fall to the ground, Lord. Not one jot and not one tittle of what you have spoken will not come to pass, Father. And I give you praise, oh God, for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing in this community, God. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to serve you, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for this congregation. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for your words, God. Thank you for this, this service, God. Thank you, Lord God, for your spirit. And God, we pray now, Father, that you would rest our bodies, rest our minds, oh God. Bring us back tonight at the appointed hour, God. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name and for your glory. And everybody said, amen. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you back tonight, 6 o'clock. God bless you.